morning, Exchange Church. If you're excited to be here, say yes. yes. I as well. I as well. Um, my wife is not here today because she injured her back. And I have lost some weight and left my ring in the shower this morning. So just to prevent any rumors out there, um, I'm still happily married. And she is, she is in bed. She was in bed all day yesterday, and I, I did some cooking. I was planning to do meal prep because I love to cook. And uh, anyway, pray for her. And then, um, so, so basically she was a superhero because she was at the grocery store this week, Friday, I think. And as she was walking into the store, she was meeting me there. I was already in the store. An elderly lady and the husband shout out for help because she was trying to get in her car and was falling out of the car. And they, they, they needed help. So Carrie runs over there. I, I still can't picture quite how this happened, but somehow the elderly lady was in Carrie's lap and Carrie was holding up. I, I don't get it all exactly. I just know that now she can't walk. Well, it's false. She can walk and she can lie down, but she can't sit. Uh, but we're pretty sure it's just a muscle, so it's no big deal. I really think it's just her reason to watch Disney+. Plus. <laughs> but my sister Sherry, Sherry is over eKids. She had back surgery this week, and she's doing well. She's recovered very, very sore, of course, but that's to be expected. But um, anyway, before service, first service, I just felt like the Lord was saying, Trey, I want you to just declare healing over backs. Um, for two reasons. Number one, I don't want you to be in pain, but number two, I'm hoping my wife can make dinner tonight. And no. Anyway, I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, let's pray over backs. And then in first service, I was making the rounds, meeting people. And um, Linda Killingsworth, those of you that know her, I, I said, hey, Linda, how are you doing? She goes, oh, my back is hurting today. And I was like, okay, God, I can take a hint. Um, so before I start my sermon, if you have a back issue, back problem, or anyone in your family that you know of, family, coworker, whatever, and you just want to send a word of healing either to your body or to that person that you know, will you stand to your feet right now? <clears throat> At the Exchange Church, we believe in miracles. One more time. At the Exchange Church, we believe in miracles. Miracles are easy because we aren't the ones doing them. My wife texted me just a few minutes ago, and she's like, Trey, I feel better. I was like, we prayed for you, and she said, I could tell. So I'm telling you, the power of prayer works, and I just sense it in the room even right now that the Holy Spirit is, has shown up prepared to do what only he can do. And James chapter 4 tells us that when we are sick, to call the elders of the church, have them lay hands on us, anoint us with oil and pray. Um, the elders is, is no one special, just people of faith that are established in their faith. That means all of you sitting down that know Jesus to be a healer, you are an elder of this church. So I want you to find someone, lay your hands upon them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we've just created a space for you. God, I just feel it. I feel it in the air. 
So God, we just agree right now as a body that every pinched nerve must be released in the name of Jesus. Every pulled muscle, tendon, ligament must be restored to its proper position in the name of Jesus. Every bulging disc right now in the name of Jesus, I speak to that donut with jelly and I command you to get back into your proper position into alignment in the name of Jesus. We just declare that even if the doctor has ordered surgery that right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, things are gonna shift. Bones are going to come into alignment. Right now, scoliosis, I call you out. I see you. I say you have no authority. You are under the name of Jesus. So I speak healing over that body. Right now, generational deficiencies in Jesus' name. I just declare that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And people that are missing parts of their spine, they were born that way, that's hereditary right now, Father, I just ask for a creative miracle. God, that you would just develop and grow even now the spine that is missing. God, make it whole and complete. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray. God, we thank you. So Holy Spirit, we're going to sit here quiet for just a few seconds as you begin to touch people. And I want you to notice in your body what's happening. Do you, do you feel anything? When you, when you feel something, I just want you to whisper, shout, I don't care, just say thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. Oh, wait, no, don't sit. Sorry, stand. We have to read our scripture. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table where there was Mr. Gaddy's and ranch. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She then wiped them with her hair, kissed him, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50 Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus replied, you have judged correctly. Then he turned facing the woman and looked back at Simon and said, do you see this woman? 
I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven loves little. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father, I thank you for your word. It is amazing. We want to hear from you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may sit down. I'm praying that the last two months of this year, of 2019, the last six weeks of 2019, that we as a church will encounter more breakthrough than we have encountered all year long. I, I, I hope that you have the conviction to, to agree with me. Number one, that God is able. Number two, that you are worthy. And number three, that if he did it for someone else, he'll do it for us. And if he did it once, he'll do it again. I just, I just want to see breakthrough in the lives of people that I love, in the lives of people that I don't like, in the lives of people that I don't know. I want to see breakthrough. Because I, I, know that, I know that God sees every facet and detail of every person. And even if someone gets on my nerves, none of you do. They're all in first service. Even if someone gets on my nerves, which is actually pretty hard to do, and not many people annoy me, but even if, God loves them so deeply. And if I could see them through the lens and the eyes of Jesus, their little weird things wouldn't even drive me crazy. Are you with me? Because when you love someone so fully, you overlook those little idiosyncrasies that drive you, drive you nuts. So I understand that no matter where we are on the spectrum of Christianity today, that God wants you to encounter breakthrough. Breakthrough. Whatever your breakthrough may be. So some of us may be looking for financial breakthrough. Can I get a good amen from somebody? Checks in the mail, baby. What, a couple of weeks ago, we prayed, checks in the mail. And I love when the, they were saying that, um, our entire choir, or praise team, got really loud on that. It was like, checks on the bell! And I'm like, why don't they pray for more hours to work? No, we want, we want the checks in the mail. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But I got excited, and, and that week, actually, I got two checks in the mail. It was real bizarre, too, because it was from, it's totally off topic, so I need to make it quick, but um, from an oil lease that we had, um, they'd pumped some oil, so I got a check for 80 bucks. Now, 80 bucks, no big deal to you, but the typical checks I get every couple of years, because I have a, such a small percentage, is like 40 bucks, right? So 80 bucks is like, whoa, God, what are you up to? And so I was excited. I called Karen, we got 80 bucks in the mail, yeah! And then the next day, I got another oil check. 
for 70 bucks. Won't he do it, y'all? Now, I know, I know, it's 150 bucks in the grand scheme of things. Like, it's not really going to make or break the, the, you know, the budget of the Rose home. But when you encounter, like, you're praying for breakthrough, sometimes God will just give you a little kiss before he will give you the full embrace. You know what I mean? Do you ever just look for the little kisses from heaven where God's like, hey, I'm just reminding you it's on the way. Hey, I'm just reminding you I've not forgotten that you've been praying for that grandchild. Hey, I'm just reminding you that I I see you, I hear you, I know you, and and I'm with you. I I love when God gives us a little glimpse into the breakthrough that is about to come. And I'm believing that 2019, in the last six weeks, if you've not had any breakthrough in 2019, that's okay, get ready. Because in the next six weeks, we're going to see breakthrough like we have never seen breakthrough around this place. I'm declaring it. You can, you can agree with me and watch everybody else get breakthrough. Or you can, I'm sorry, stop. You can agree with me and you can get breakthrough. Or you can say he's full of it and then I'll be full of the breakthrough. <laughs> Sometimes we make the mistake of believing that breakthrough happens when we simply be still. It's a great paradox of Christian living. Right? Exodus, I should have confirmed this between services because I couldn't remember it in first and now. I'd, it's either Exodus 14, 14 or Exodus 13, 13. Be still and know that I'm the Lord. If I were to guess, it's 14, 14. Any Bible scholars know? Oh, well, Google it. Be still and know that I am the Lord. Right? And, and a lot of us are like, God, fight my battle. Go and do this. God, I need the breakthrough. Deliver the enemy's spoils to my camp. And, and I'm telling you, there are moments where God says, hey, why don't you sit down? I don't need your help for this victory. Right? Be still and know that I am the Lord. When God does this, I've said this to some of our teams recently. I'll put it in the context that maybe you m- might know of someone. You ever known someone that had an addiction and they asked God to take it and boom, it was gone? You ever known someone like that? One? Okay, well, so, so you know one. I know Levita's mom. Levita's, Levita's mom, meth addict. Came to know Jesus, boom, addiction gone, right? I've known many people like that. I've equally known many lovers of Jesus with addiction that had to process and fight their way through to step into an encounter of freedom, right? When the Lord brings instant breakthrough, what he's doing, I call that uh, unveiling the inheritance. In other words, he's showing identity to you. He's a good father and he's, he's wanting to show you in that moment of instantaneous breakthrough, that you're a son, you're not an orphan, you're a daughter. You're not a slave. Like God is, God is using those moments to build our identity. However, you don't get a second class healing or breakthrough if you have to struggle for a minute to find that freedom. What God didn't need to show you was that you're a son or a daughter. He needed to build inside of you authority along that journey so that when you reach the breakthrough, then you have authority on your life. You carry a mantle that can speak and impart healing in that area of your life to other people. Can I get an amen from somebody who sat in the fire a little longer than you've wanted to? Breakthrough may come like this 
or it may come like, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes God wants to give us instantaneous, but, but more often than not, probably at least in my life, I won't speak for years, you may be his favorite. You may be his favorite that when you pray it, bam, there it is, right? In my scenario, God often wants the breakthrough to come through the works of my hands, through the racing of my heart, through the running of my feet, through the sweat of my brow. You see, he wants breakthrough to happen with my cooperation, with my participation. While, while God will, and I've said this before, while God will always fulfill his promises, he is not obligated to fulfill my potential. Many of us, God, give me a better job. When's the last time you applied? When is, when is the last time you increased your skill level? When is the last time you've asked yourself some hard questions of what is it that I don't know? Because I don't know what I don't know, and, and whatever I currently know is getting me the results I currently have. So what is it that I don't know that I need to know so that I can get what I want to get? Sometimes we feel like we're just supposed to observe. Other times, though, it's our place to partner with him. There are moments where God will declare a matter. He will speak a promise over your life, over my life. And, and we get a glimpse of that promise. And then we sit on the couch watching Disney Plus. Just waiting for God to, to drop it and deliver it to our doorstep. But grace, grace is not simply empowering us to live a life beneath our means. Grace is empowering us to live a life above our means. Grace is giving you the power, empowering you to do more than you could do on your own. That is the grace. That is the manifest grace of God. You see, we've bought this lie in the Christian realm that grace is simply undeserved favor, meaning I get to be a son or a daughter because of what Jesus did on the cross. I don't want to diminish that. That's why we're here today. But it is through the grace, the power of God, the repositioning provisional power of God that moves you from an orphan to a son. That same movement can move you from unemployed to employed. From on the verge of divorce to whatever the opposite of that would be. <laughs> Restoration, reconciliation, whole bunch of ours. Like, the power of God wants to partner with us so that we become more, we step into what he has planned for us. Now, as a father, as a good father, he's not going to release any breakthrough to you that you are not equipped to handle. Now, listen, some of us have been praying for breakthrough that God desperately wants to get into your hands, but you ain't ready yet. Just like my 17-year-old boy, Jordan Rose, we're driving down the car, we saw a Lamborghini, Blue Lamborghini in Pflugerville. Who would have thought? Could such a thing come from Pflugerville, Texas? 
blue Lamborghini. And he goes, Dad, that's my dream car. I'm going to have that. And I'm like, when you're ready. <laughs> you don't give your two-year-old keys because they don't have the capacity. Your five-year-old has the capacity maybe to turn the engine, but not to drive the car with any kind of safety. God will not release unto us a blessing that will destroy us. And we see it all the time, don't we? People that win the lottery, they, they come into this money and, and, oh, man, they go from rags to riches like this. And they're living the life. They're flying here, flying there, wearing this, wearing that, giving here, giving there. You know what I'm saying. Then they find all these friends and family they never knew they had. And life is grandiose and luxurious until it ain't. And they're in poverty again because the world inside of them was not as big as the world that they stepped into. That is so good. I'm going to say that again. The world inside of you must be as big as the world outside of you that God wants to take you into. Otherwise, you lose the world outside of you to match the world that is inside of you. And so we're praying through breakthrough. We're praying for breakthrough, asking God to deliver us. But God, God is a, a good father. I'm sorry, I can't remember it. When the world inside of us is smaller than the world outside of us, we will lose the world outside of us to the level of the world inside of us. Get the recording. I just think God doesn't want to destroy his children. He will release blessings upon an established life because breakthrough in an established life brings further strength to an established life. Blessings that's overwhelming to a broken life enhances the brokenness in a broken life. Therefore, possibly our breakthrough is not because God's not ready, but he thinks we're not ready. So what do you and I need to do so that we can raise our capacity, increase our capacity? I, I want to be trusted with $10 million. Can I get an amen? I want to be trusted with like tons and tons of influence in our community. I want to be trusted with like the mayors and the governors and the presidents having my cell phone number and trusting me to speak like, I want to be trusted with all of that stuff. So, so what do we need to do? to have breakthrough in the various areas of our life so that we find ourselves being pursued by the blessing rather than us pursuing the blessing. I think God maybe measures us to make sure that we're ready for the blessing that he wants to release in our life. I know, that's stressful. It's a lot of pressure, Pastor. You're saying I have to earn my blessing? Not exactly, but kind of, yeah. I'm suggesting to you that salvation is free. There is nothing you can ever earn or do to deserve the salvation of the Lord. However, Stepping into increase in your life 
is going to require you to partner with what God is moving on. I think maybe one way that he measures us is through our praying, our prayer life. I've got six minutes left in the sermon, and I'm only in my intro. (laughs) I would have been through the sermon, but Destiny asked me to repeat a line earlier. So you can ask her for my sermon notes. No, just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) She's like, I got it word for word. I'm just kidding. What was, where was I going? This is why I'm behind. <laughs> oh, prayer. I think God maybe measures us through our prayer life. How many of you are like me would honestly say, you know, pastor, I, I've, I've been driven to prayer because I was afraid of something, anxiety. I, fear, fear has driven me to my knees. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, and I think that's normal, but I just want to, I want you to understand that when we pray, it's transactional. It's transformational. Come as you are. Come with your fear. Come with your anxiety. Come with your doubt. Come with your irritability. Come with your addiction. Come with everything that you've, all of your anger. Come, come with it all. Bring it, but understand this. Prayer isn't meant to be a venting session. It's meant to be a moment of transformation. If you leave prayer the same way you showed up in prayer, you weren't actually praying, you were just complaining. And I'll take it a step further to offend us even more. If you go to God in prayer and you don't leave that encounter changed and you leave with the, the, the same thing. You leave the same way you came. You didn't actually spend time with Jesus. You spent time getting to know your problem. And I never understand why even me, I'll set aside a window of time to pray, but I won't expect Transformation. Can you imagine going to the car wash down the corner? I'm going to Mr. Clean, guys. I'll be back in an hour. And I go and I park my car in the driveway and I sit in their lobby, but I never get my car washed. How insane would that be? Yet that's what we do with prayer every day. We show up to a a moment where God wants to meet us and he wants to transform us and It doesn't matter the circumstances or what's going around. It likely won't change in that one hour. But what will change is your perspective. What will change is your amount of control that you have to have. What will change is the amount of rest that you get at night when you want to go to sleep because you realize you don't have to worry about it anymore. Prayer needs to be a moment of transformation And when we can really get into an attitude of prayer and we can find ourselves giving things over to the Lord, then he understands we're a steward. I can trust them with breakthrough because they understand nothing they have is theirs. It's mine. Oh, you thought God just cared about your 10% tithing? No, he doesn't. I mean, let's start there. If we're not tithing 10%, we're robbing God. I I would say that. Uh, Malachi's. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) 
Malachi 3 says that. It's robbing God. Um, but God doesn't just care if you trust him with your increase. He wants to know if you trust him in your famine. And when you can be found faithful in your famine, it's easy to trust God when you got money in the bank and you got food in the pantry and your kids are all saying, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And it's easy to trust God when you're working nine to five and you can afford Disney Plus. I've said that three times in this sermon. Secretly, I can't wait to get home. But let the storm clouds roll in, and let's see where that faith lie. Let lack show up on your doorstep, and let's see if you really believe in a God who can deliver you, or did you just sing about it when you're on the mountain looking at everyone else in the valley? Because isn't that easy? You see people in the valley, hang in there, pal. God's a deliverer. See me? I'm on the mountain. And then you end up in the valley. Are you still hanging there, pal? I'm in it with you. God is faithful. He's not forgotten me once, and he won't forget me now. When God can trust us to steward the failures of our life, the, the disappointments of our life, he also understands he can, he can trust us to steward the highs of this life. He might measure us by our worship. This, is, this, is, this would make a good series. Someone should do a series on this. The way God measures us to release breakthrough. Really, we should do a series on that. Michaela, do it. <laughs> he measures us through our prayer. He measures us, uh, by, by the way, me, when I say measuring us, it's not um, to see how much we're lacking. It, it's just to see how much he can trust us to step into the next season. He, he'll measure us through our worship. I wonder how many of us in this room worship today as if your breakthrough depended on it. I'm not talking about clapping, raising your hands, jumping all that. That's fun to do, right, Kayla? We like to do that. We, we, I'm very expressive in my worship. My mom is too. You can hear her worshiping from two cities over. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a heart posture. Like, I wonder if your heart posture of worship was pointing to the breakthrough that you're about to experience or that you've been praying for. What about gratitude? God measures us by gratitude. I don't believe that God wants to increase, give increase and release more to those that are ungrateful. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my kids, if they're grateful, they can have the whole bag of candy. Not grateful, I'm hiding that thing in my room. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I mean, Jordan and, Jordan and Tristan have a big old backpack from, for all you health nuts in the room, I'm sorry. We prayed over the candy. We're hoping it works out all all right, but <laughs> we don't normally get them candy, but they got it on Halloween. I know, Satan's day. God, I'm getting myself in so much trouble today. But anyway... They showed up at my door with a bag full of candy. What am I going to do? I'm going to take a candy tax and then allow it, <laughs> allow it into my home. But, but when, my, when my kids are grateful, they get so much more freedom. 
We have this saying in our church and in our family, I am entitled to nothing and blessed by everything. The moment you start looking around and you thinking what everyone should be doing for you and to you is the moment your life is no longer content. So point number one. I wish I was playing, but it's really point number one. But I'm just going to say the points, okay? Because I feel like the Lord has pretty much done a lot of what he wants to do. The big idea of the message is this. A thankful heart is a cheerful heart. It always gives joyfully and generously. The, wo- the woman who was pouring out her tears to the feet of Jesus, giving generously. And, and Jesus said this comment that I repeated a few times, and it was to this thing, uh, to this essence, and it was, Those who have been forgiven a lot, love a lot, and are very generous. People who know where the Lord has brought them from are people that generally don't sweat the small stuff, honestly. People that know where the Lord has brought them from are honestly are not the ones that are like, should I tithe, should I not tithe? It just doesn't happen. Like people who understand the degree to which they nail Jesus to the cross, they give freely of their resources, of their time, of their smile, of their emotion, of their time, their talent, their treasure, it all. That's just how it works. One of the hallmarks of a thankful heart is generosity. Next point, if we find ourselves living in excess or we find ourselves living in need, we should look to the Lord in thanksgiving. I love what Paul says. I can just identify so much with Paul. He says in um, Philippians 4, 12 through 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. How many of you can identify with that? Like, you know what it is to have money and you know what it is to need money. Yeah, some of you are like, I still need money. I'd like to experience that other part. God, trust me, I'm worthy. Yeah. Like I can identify, I've had good days and I've had bad days and I've had good months and I've had bad months. Um, but, but I do understand that whether I'm in excess or living in need, I need to be grateful. I have to be grateful for what I have because if I can't manage with gratitude what I have, God can't trust me to release more. The next point I want you to write down We don't need to be wealthy in order to be generous. Somebody needs to hear that today because you hate when the pastor talks about money because you feel like you only got two nickels in your pocket and you want to give more, but you don't have more. And I'm simply saying that money is not the issue. I just want to give you the freedom, whether you are rich or you are flat broke today, generosity has zero to do with the amount of money you have in your account. I am convinced that money flows out of generosity, but generosity does not flow out of money. That is good. Just because you give money doesn't make you a generous person. You, you ever had a really high electric bill? 500, anybody ever pay 500 or more in electricity? Yeah. Uh, would, would that be considered a big bill for you? Okay. Our, 
uh, just side note, fun, fun fact, our electric bill last month here was $2,600, so count your blessings. <laughs> and tithe. Um, <laughs> no, those who gave $500, I, I've had a $450, $500, and it was massive. And you, you get the email and you're like, <gasps> right? You paid it. Did you? Did you call the electric company and say, hey, I'm just being so generous <laughs> by paying this bill? No. You didn't because you're not generous by paying the bill because generosity doesn't flow out of money. Money flows out of generosity. I, I was on a cruise a couple years ago with my bride and we need to do that again soon. And we were on the deck, we didn't know anybody, we left out of Galveston and we were just, man, so looking forward to just like getting away for five days. No kids, no church members, no, I mean, you're all blessings. That's not a bad thing, but you know what I'm saying? It was like exciting. And then on day one, we're sitting on the deck and, and we, <laughs> we're sitting there talking. Just Carrie and I alone, we're in this little cabin thing, swivel chair, looking at the ocean, watching dolphins, and we're just talking about you and all of you. And we're saying really great things and how grateful we are. We're just talking about the goodness of the Lord. And, uh, then up walks this guy and he's like, peeks around the corner into our thing and goes, Pastor Trey. <laughs> and I immediately think, what have I said? What have I said? What have I said? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was all good. It's always good. <sighs> Ooh, but if it's ever not good, that is the one time someone will overhear me. I'm just saying <laughs> that one time. Anyway, so it's this old guy this this pal that I knew for about a decade from a previous church, good guy. He'd gotten married, good girl, knew her. She was in our ministry, good, good people. And so we're sitting there talking, watching the ocean, and he brought up tithing and was really angry about it. Now, I don't know why you're going to, why are you going to bring up tithing to a pastor if you don't want to talk about it? Do you know what I mean? Like, why... We were having a, a very pleasant afternoon on the ship. <laughs> Why are you bringing up time? I'm a pastor. You remember you called me Pastor Trey. And he starts bringing up how he did. <laughs> oh, can't, can't get into it. It just starts saying some really bad things about this new church he was now on to. And um, he really liked the church because they don't talk about money. And... Um, so he's, he started bashing anyone that believed in tithing or that pushed tithing. And then he used the example in Luke 21 where the woman gave, he goes, the woman gave two pennies. Jesus don't care how much you give. She only gave two pennies. I can't believe churches. And by this point now his anger is directed at me because he knows where I, I've made it pretty clear. Like, bro, you're wrong. Jesus only cares if you give two pennies. I said, um, well, f first of all, you, you, you've read that entire block of text, right? And Yeah, two pennies. No, actually, the scripture says that she gave yeah, two, two copper coins, doubt their pennies, but copper nonetheless. 
And it was 100% of what she owned. It wasn't a matter of how much did, are you putting in the offering. It's where is your level of faith and how are you honoring God with that? That, that two pennies was 100%. The Lord said she gave more than anyone in the room, two pennies. So don't let your two pennies convince you that what you don't have to give is insufficient or not enough or not valuable. Because the Lord will take your two pennies and teach generations a lesson on what it means to trust him. Let's pray. Father, I know that we're, we're going to take offering after this song. And I, this is not even a push to get people to give money. This is a push to get people to encounter freedom. God, I have, I have never known a follower of you that complained about the church talking about money. I've only known and seen people in rebellion that complained about the church talking about money. So God, if that's us, if there is offense among us right now, God, I ask that you would bring us to a place of repentance, of, of true humility, because the enemy wants to stir us up and make us feel hot and bothered so that we don't step into the fullness of what you have for us. And so, God, I just ask, God, that you would allow breakthrough to come. In the next six weeks, there would be, not, and not just financial breakthrough, but just such miraculous encounters with people. God, I, I believe there are Christians in the room today that haven't, they feel like they've not heard your voice all year. They feel like they have been fighting for a relationship with you. God, I just ask that there would just be a, the dam would break. God, that there would just be a flood in their area, that they would just hear you, see you, smell you, feel you. God, that you would speak to them in the middle of the night. You would speak to them in the morning. God, there are people here that are, are just really wrestling in their relationships. God, we just prophesy breakthrough in that area in the name of Jesus. Specifically, pornography addiction right now, we, we call you out. And we say that you're not of God. And God, we just ask that you would call us to higher living, to the men and women in this room that are wrestling with pornography addiction. God, that you, for the first time, we would feel hope in these next six weeks. God, that there would be hope. This isn't going to be something that we wrestle with the rest of our lives. This is going to be something that we leave at the foot of Jesus and we walk away. Once and for all, it's finished. God, there are people in the room that are so insecure and so uncomfortable in their own skin. God, we just speak this new level of authority on them in the name of Jesus. God, that they wouldn't look to other people for affirmation. They wouldn't look to other people for validation, but God, they would look to you. And in this next season of breakthrough, God, they're going to step into a boldness that their family members are going to start to ask, what are they doing? Where are they going? What counseling are they going to? God, you're going to come on them in the name of Jesus. We just release that. Oh God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. God, thank you for doing all that you've done in our hearts and in our lives. We just thank you that there's more breakthrough on the way. 
in Jesus' name. Will you stand to your feet? Let's just thank the Lord this morning.